Bristol, Vermont, WNYV, Whitehall, Glens Falls. It's 8 o'clock. Good morning. This is Northern Light for Wednesday, January 10th. I'm Todd Moe. Governor Hochul addressed issues such as affordable housing and the economy in her State of the State address yesterday in Albany. She says some of the state is feeling strong, while other New, other New Yorkers don't feel that way as they worry about rising costs and shrinking paychecks. I can actually understand why some people feel the sun is setting on the Empire State, but I don't despair. We are a state where resiliency runs in our veins. No mountain is too high for us to summit. Meanwhile, some North Country Republicans say with the state facing a multi-billion dollar deficit, they're worried about paying for some of the governor's ideas. At the very front end of her speech, uh, she was very quick to say, we cannot spend money we do not have. Uh, So that kind of gives me some indication that she's very cognizant of the budget deficit. News from Albany, the state of the state, also an Adirondack bowl turner, talks sanding, sawdust, and finding his passion in middle age. Stay tuned. That's coming up on Northern Light. Broadcast of Northern Light here on North Country Public Radio is supported by Mountain Orthotic and Prosthetic Services, a full-service practice committed to providing care for patients of all ages with offices in Lake Placid, Plattsburgh, and Malone. Details and referrals at mountainonp.com. And Blue Sea Studios, a multidisciplinary arts center featuring classes for adults and youth, concerts, art exhibits, and more, blucstudios.org. This is Northern Light. I'm Todd Moe. Last night's windstorm left more than 120,000 residences and businesses without power around the state. The heaviest hit areas in the North Country are Jefferson County with 25,000 homes dark, 28,000 customers in Clinton County, and 10,000 in St. Lawrence County and Essex Counties. National Grid and NYSEG say they have crews out across the region and are working to get power restored in their networks, although they say it may take into the evening to get all the homes and businesses back online. There are also schools closed today because of uh, the power outages, other storm-related damage. We have a list on our website this morning at ncpr.org. The Weather Service says at this point winds have diminished. Mild temperatures today in the low 40s with scattered showers, winds out of the south-southwest 10 to 15 miles per hour. Governor Kathy Hochul addressed the sense of unease that some New Yorkers feel about the economy and crime in her 2024 State of the State message. Karen DeWitt reports her proposals include cracking down on retail theft and a scaled-down plan to build more affordable housing to ease the state's ongoing crisis. 
Thank you and good afternoon. Quoting FDR and Taylor Swift, Hochul addressed lawmakers in the assembly chamber, where guests included former governors David Patterson and George Pataki. While Hochul says the state of the state is strong, she acknowledged that many New Yorkers don't feel that way, as they worry about rising costs and shrinking paychecks. And I know in those moments, I can actually understand why some people feel the sun is setting on the Empire State, but I don't despair because I see light on the horizon. We are a state where resiliency runs in our veins. No mountain is too high for us to summit. The governor proposed efforts to fight crime, including a smash-and-grab enforcement unit within the state police to focus on retail shop theft. And Hochul's plan would make it harder to sell stolen goods online. These attacks are nothing more than a breakdown of the social order. I say no more. The chaos must end. She also proposes expanding the list of crimes that could be eligible as hate crimes in the wake of rising anti-Semitism and anti-Muslim bias linked to the ongoing violence in Israel and Gaza. Hochul also offered a series of more modest proposals aimed at improving the day-to-day lives of New Yorkers. Some were previously announced, like changing the methods of teaching reading to children, raising the weekly payments for workers who need temporary medical disability, and improving maternal and infant care. The governor relaunched a housing program that was scaled back from a 2023 wide-ranging proposal that Democrats who lead both houses of the legislature rejected. In her written comments accompanying the speech, Hochul took swipes at her Democratic colleagues, saying the legislature failed to act even to preserve New York's anemic existing growth of housing. She continued her criticism in her speech. Unfortunately, many made it clear they would not support it. Democratic Senate Deputy Majority Leader Mike Gianaris shot back, saying the governor's new plan has some big holes in it. All she proposed was a developer's dream, but left out protections for tenants in their existing homes. And so if we're not making sure that people get to stay in the homes they have, what exactly is the point of building more homes that people can then get evicted from very easily? Hochul left out of her speech one of the major issues facing New York, the influx of tens of thousands of asylum-seeking migrants. They've been bused here from Texas and Florida. Republican Senate Minority Leader Robert Ort believes politics influenced that omission. She's always said she's kind of a Biden Democrat, and she took the Biden approach, which is just to kind of ignore it um, and hope that it's not happening. Um, And that's one school of thought, but it is happening. He says the situation won't go away on its own. Ort says the governor's speech lacked large themes normally found in a state-of-the-state message. It was small ball, it was a little bit flat. Uh, It wasn't kind of that big those big ideas that we're used to seeing. Uh, Maybe that was by design because it is 2024. And 2024 is a key election year where congressional races in some districts in the state could determine which party controls the House. Or it says with so much at stake, the governor seems to be trying to play it safe. In Albany, I'm Karen DeWitt. Republican state lawmakers here in the North Country were critical but open to some of Hochul's vision for the state. One GOP assemblyman says he likes some ideas but says he's worried about how the state will foot the bill for her plans while handling a a multi-billion dollar budget deficit. Catherine Wheeler has more. Assemblyman Scott Gray says he heard some North Country issues mentioned in Governor Hochul's yearly address, ranging from mental health care to affordable housing. But he says he's thinking about how the state can financially take it all on. At the very front end of her speech, 
she was very quick to say, we cannot spend money we do not have. Uh, so that kind of gives me some indication that she's very cognizant of the budget deficit. Gray represents a district along the St. Lawrence River from Messina to Watertown. He says he supports Hochul's efforts to fight retail theft, domestic violence, and hate crimes. He says he wants to hear more about some of Hochul's proposals on affordable housing, including looking at former correctional facilities and SUNY buildings as a part of the solution. He's proposed a bill that would study decommission to SUNY buildings and see how they could be repurposed. Gray says at the same time, there were a few big North Country issues Hochul failed to mention. The migrant crisis was completely absent. Last fall, there was chatter of sending migrants who were in New York City up to Messina. And just last week, three North Country state senators sent a letter to Hochul asking her to address illegal crossings at the northern border. Gray says Hochul also didn't get into the challenges universities, especially SUNY campuses, are facing. You know, we have SUNYs that is across the board struggling, colleges that are struggling. So that concerned me. I don't think it went far enough on public safety and certainly didn't even touch the migrant issue. Fellow GOP lawmaker, State Senator Mark Walzik, was more harsh on X, formerly known as Twitter. He said Hochul's message doesn't connect with what New Yorkers are going through. Senator Dan Steck said in a statement that Hochul needs to rein in the spending, but he's interested in hearing more about her plans to improve literacy and build affordable housing. Catherine Wheeler, North Country Public Radio. Mental health issues were a major part of the governor's State of the State speech yesterday, including dealing with social media use among teenagers. Amy Feyerisel reports. Governor Kathy Hochul's proposals included several to address what she called a mental health crisis in children and teenagers. You know, focusing on our kids, it's everything. It's critical because they're our most precious resource. And investing in mental health services for the young means they won't be relegated to a lifetime of needing care later on. Hochul says she wants to create more in-school mental health clinics, which the state established in over 130 schools in 2022. The governor also proposed new legislation to protect kids online by limiting what they can access on social media platforms. Social media is a silent killer of our children's generation. According to the CDC, one in four teens have considered suicide, double the figure just a decade ago. Other measures proposed by Hochul include convening youth mental health advisory boards and incentivizing new child mental health clinicians through a loan repayment program. Amy Feierisel, North Country Public Radio. Governor Hochul didn't mention her environmental priorities very much in her State of the State speech yesterday. She did highlight New York's climate goals. We'll protect the environment by planting 25 million trees, fund resiliency efforts and expand solar access, and make sure our state meets our bold emission targets. The North Country is one of the regions around the state that's been impacted by the state's push for renewable energy. One controversial commercial solar project, the town of Canton, that's yet to be approved, is anticipated to power more than 61,000 New York homes and house a battery storage site. Hochul says she's also going to push for more investment in family farms. Meanwhile, environmental advocates have called on Hochul to include a package of bills in this legislative session. Catherine Nadeau. 
Trudeau with New York Renews says they want the state's biggest polluters to foot the bill for infrastructure improvements. And while New Yorkers are busy dealing with the incredibly expensive, immediate, life-changing, and at times fatal impacts from the climate crisis, massive corporations are pulling in record profits from deadly fossil fuels. They're profiting from New Yorkers suffering. Advocates are also pushing for an additional billion dollars for the Climate Action Fund to support what they call 30 shovel-ready environmental justice projects. The city of Ogdensburg has made room in the budget for six new firefighters. That would bring up staffing numbers to 25 for the city fire department. The Watertown Daily Times reports the city council made the budget amendments at a recent meeting. Officials say the additions will honor the firefighters' union contract at lower overtime and hazard pay costs. The union requires at least five firefighters on duty, so firefighters were uh, were regularly getting overtime pay. The city council cut seven firefighter positions in 2020. That led to a dispute with the union that eventually cost the city $100,000 in legal fees. Get more news all the time on our website at ncpr.org. Listening to Northern Light here on North Country Public Radio. The time is 13 minutes past 8. Good morning. I'm Todd Moe. Monica Sandreski has the week off. Coming up in just a couple of minutes, we'll meet a bowl turner in Long Lake and his passion for wooden bowls. That's coming up in a few minutes right here on Northern Light. Music by guitarist Paul Myers in Colton. Northern Light is supported by St. Lawrence Nurseries, Potsdam accepting orders now through April 12th for cold hardy fruit and nut trees. Details at slngrow.com. And Fort Dela Presentation, home of the Abbey BK Walking Trail, open seven days a week from sunrise to sunset, fort1749.org. updated our list of school closings and uh, delays in the last few minutes. Just want to give you an update on schools that are closed today because of uh, lack of power or 
other um, issues related to yesterday's windstorm. These schools are closed today. Ag Studies Academy in Canton, Alexandria, Belleville-Henderson, Carthage, Clifton Fine, Copenhagen, Crown Point, Edwards Knox, General Brown, Harrisville, Herman DeKalb, Indian River, Johnsburg, Lafargeville, Little River in Canton, Lyme, Parishville, Hopkinton, Sackets Harbor, South Jefferson, Thousand Islands, Warrensburg, and Watertown City Schools. They are all closed for the day. A one-and-a-half-hour delay at Hammond and two-hour delays this morning at Beaver River, Bolton, Boquet Valley, Canton, Chateaugay, Colton Pierpont, Indian Lake, Keene, Lake George, Lake Pleasant, Long Lake, Lowville Academy, Minerva, Mariah, Newcomb, North Warren, Potsdam, Queensbury, Union Free School, Salmon River, Scroon Lake, South Lewis, Ticonderoga, and Willsboro. Those schools are on two-hour delays because of the uh, windstorm yesterday. The uh, winds have diminished across our region, uh, according to the Weather Service. Uh, the weather uh, forecast calls for mild temperatures, low 40s for much of our region today with mix of clouds and and maybe an occasional uh, rain, maybe some occasional rain today, and then uh, partly cloudy skies tomorrow. Right now, cloudy and 40 degrees here in Canton. Some people have true callings. That's one thing that they're just meant to do, that life just seems to pull them towards. Today, we meet one of those people. He found his calling out of the blue in middle age, and he hasn't looked back since. Anna Williams-Bergen has this North Country at Work story. Gary Pierce is 62, and he lives in Long Lake. Pierce's thing is bowls. Wooden bowls, to be specific. I don't know if you know about Fibonacci, but there's a, such a thing as a perfect rectangle. I think there's a perfect bowl. Carved on a lathe, sanded a million times, and hand-oiled with beeswax and mineral oil. That's the art that Pierce has been perfecting for over a decade. Well, I want my bowls to be heirlooms. I want them to be usable art. If you feel them, it should feel as smooth as um, buttered Teflon. And they should look that way, too. They should feel and look great. Pierce has always loved wood and woodworking. His father owned a sawmill. But he spent most of his life doing other stuff. In the early 2000s, Pierce was working at General Motors in Messina. The plant was about to shut down, so they paid for workers to get other kinds of education. Pierce took a course on bowl turning in Maine. My own teacher, she only knew me two weeks, and she told me, she told me, she said, you're going to be a bowl turner. She told me not to even wait until GM laid me off. She said, go home and quit. Pierce didn't quit right then, but he did end up going into bowl making, and he started his own business, Chipman Woodworks. The change came at a good time. Pierce had been struggling with Meniere's disease. That's an inner ear problem that causes hearing loss and dizziness. It gave him debilitating vertigo attacks that made it hard to work a normal job. Being his own boss made it easier to deal with. Still with the Meniere's disease, I, like, there's some days I just don't feel as well as others. But being self-employed, I can pick the times that I feel well. I might work 16 hours that day. The day I don't feel well, I might work three. Pierce owns 110 acres of hardwood in St. Lawrence County that he uses for his bowls. But he's also found sources where he lives now in Long Lake. Up here, I've made friends with some loggers. And some of them, now they know what I like. And they'll, if they get something specifically odd, I like odd stuff. 
they'll call me and say, hey, Gary, you might want to come and look at this. Each bowl starts with a block of fresh wood. Pierce uses a chainsaw to cut a big octagon-shaped block. Then he uses a lathe to shave it down into a rough bowl, which dries out for months before the final turning. The whole process creates more wood shavings than you can imagine. Pierce says the mess pretty much dominates his workshop. Well, it's a, it's a pile of sawdust with some machinery in it. <laughs> and that's, that's it, because I don't know if you've ever seen a big lathe go. The shavings fly off it like, um, like water out of a jet ski. Pierce has made over 2,000 bowls, but he says each bowl is one of a kind. None of them look alike, because you can take the same tree, go up a foot, cut a bowl, and it's going to look different than the bowl that was below it. It's, there's no two alike. I never get bored. Pierce says each bowl should have a certain weight and thickness. He used to weigh them out, but now he doesn't even need to. He just knows. Pierce has a favorite bowl of all time, but he sold it. I had some black ash burl bowls, which is the prettiest wood I've ever seen. In the, in the heartwood, in the darker wood, it tends to look like bird's eye maple, all these speckles. But then in the sapwood, it's all this swirly, curly grain. I still miss it. But I know where it lives because the lady invites me over to her house and she tells me she rubs that bowl every morning when she gets up. To Pierce, that bowl is as close as it gets to perfect. For North Country Public Radio's North Country at Work project, I'm Anna Williams-Bergen. North Country at Work is a long-running project of North Country Public Radio that collects photos and stories about working life in our region. If you have a work story you'd like to share, email us, work at ncpr.org. And funding for the project is provided in part by the New York State Department of Education. This is Northern Light here on North Country Public Radio for this Wednesday, January 10th. I'm Todd Moe. Monica is back next week. Thank you so much for listening. Stay tuned for uh, some music coming up in just a couple of minutes. We've got more of Morning Edition at 8.30, and that includes Bird Note at 8.42. A look at Business News at 8.51. And then uh, Live from London, BBC Hour coming up at 9 o'clock this morning. Just want to remind you, there are a number of events happening around our region uh, to commemorate Martin Luther King Jr. Day on Monday uh, the 15th. And uh, the uh, Martin Luther King celebration in Plattsburgh uh, will be taking place at 1.30 uh, on Monday the 15th at the Newman Center at, uh, in Plattsburgh. The Martin Luther King Jr. Committee is looking forward to welcoming everyone for the annual celebration. The theme this year is... Why We Can't Wait, Activating Our Power for Equity and Justice. And this year's celebration will feature uh, the Plattsburgh High School Choir under the baton of music director William Verity. 
He'll intersperse reminiscences of his many valued years at uh, at the high school in the choral music program as he uh, finalizes his teaching career before moving on to new adventures. He'll conduct the, the Plattsburgh High School Chorus and a number of, ref- of selections that reflect his memorable career uh, uh, at the school. Uh, and again, that's happening at uh, the Martin Luther King Jr. Uh, Day event in Plattsburgh at the Newman Center on Monday afternoon at 1.30. The program is free. Everyone is invited. The Adirondack Center for Writing, uh, the Bark Readers Series, will feature Andrew Weatherhead in an upcoming installment. The event will be held uh, Wednesday, January 17th at the Adirondack Center for Writing on Broadway in downtown Saranac Lake from 7 to 8 in the evening. Um, A poet, Andrew Weatherhead, will give a presentation. Then there will be an open mic event offering uh, everyone a chance to share up to five minutes of their writing in front of the audience. Uh, that'll be coming up on uh, uh, Wednesday, the 17th, at the Adirondack Center for Writing in downtown Saranac Lake. And just put this on your calendar for uh, a little later this month, two performances by a duo known as Archai, award-winning uh, electroacoustic violin cello duo. They've inspired audiences around the world through their uh, genre-defying string music. It's uh, Jonathan uh, Murin on violin and Philip Chigog on cello. They're both the graduates of the Juilliard School. And they'll be performing Saturday, January 27th, 7.30 p.m. at Lake Flower Landing in Saranac Lake. And then Sunday, January 28th at 3 in the afternoon, Saranac Fire Hall in Saranac. That's the volunteer fire department in Saranac. And I just want to share a few minutes of their music. These young musicians, very talented. This is a piece uh, called Patchwork.
cool, huh? That's the young uh, violin cello duo, Jonathan Mirren. Violin, Philip Shigog on cello, known as Arkai. And you're going to have a couple of chances to hear their music live here in our region. Saturday, January 27th, 7.30 at Lake Flower Landing in Saranac Lake. And then Sunday, January 28th, 3 in the afternoon at Saranac Fire Hall, presented by Hill and Hollow Music. Some great music by two very talented young musicians. If you want more information about uh, the concerts uh, and more about the group, you can check out lakeflowerlanding.com and hillandhollowmusic.org. That's it for Northern Light for this Wednesday, January 10th. Stay tuned. More of Morning Edition coming up in just a moment. Marketplace Morning Report, Bird Note. Then at 9 o'clock, join us for BBC NewsHour. Thanks for listening. Be well.